Well, good morning, friends. It's um, it's an early morning that I'm taping this. Um, this podcast number two fifty seven in the last week of Jesus' life. Um, Jesus, in our uh, last podcast, uh, was laid in the tomb, and the tomb was sealed. I love how Luke writes, and I want you, if you would, to go to Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, and I'll talk to you this morning uh, for a few minutes about the responses to the fact that Jesus is Jesus is dead, Jesus is buried. And what would the responses be? But I want you to go to Luke chapter 1 first, because I want you to understand that um, that the Gospels are not haphazard. That the story is not just thrown together and that the story is not um, just some wild fairy tale. But we're dealing with historical events. We're dealing with historical people, live, true people who walk this earth. We have other sources, extra biblical sources, such as the works of Josephus and some of the other historians um, that were not believers, but we we have these accounts. And Luke is one of my favorite writers, and this is why. Look at Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, and let's look at Luke's reason for writing this gospel now. Remember, Luke is a physician. He's he's a careful historian, uh, but he wasn't an initial uh, follower of Christ or a disciple of Christ. But look at verse 1. Inasmuch as Many have undertaken to complete a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us. Luke says there's been a lot of work done. There's been a lot accomplished. There's been a lot set before us, but now it's my turn. He says, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us. He says, there are people who were literal literal eyewitnesses and they're still alive. Many are still around. And now they are ministering the word. They've delivered these to us. Who are us? Us, the secondary um, disciples, not the original 12. Verse 3, it seemed good to me also. There's never enough really good information. We see stories all the time written and rewritten. I love the history I love people looking back at things and, and looking for um, to strengthen or to, to uh, strengthen an argument or to, to reposition the argument. But he says, I, I went to the eyewitnesses and I talked to them and I've done this incredible investigative work. It seemed good to me also, having followed all things close, closely for some time past to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. He says, I have been looking at this for a long, long time. I didn't just happen upon a scene and decide that I would write. And since I talked to eyewitnesses and, and I talked to people who were around the situation and, um, and I've investigated this for a long, long time and it seemed good to me to write an orderly account, orderly account that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. So he says, I want, I've done a careful investigation. That's number one. Number two, I want to write an orderly account. And number three, the reason for that is that so that you may have certainty about the things that have been taught to us. I didn't just take them at face value. I didn't just decide that, oh, oh it must be true because Joe said it. No, I, I took it in an orderly account 
from the eyewitnesses, from those who were there, from those who experienced it, the 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 touch, the feel, the the sight, um, uh, the smells, everything. I took all of this into account. I didn't just just believe them either. I was done. I've done an investigative report so that you may, with certainty, certainty, know that what I'm about to say to you is important. What I'm about to say to you is well investigated. What I'm about to say to you is the truth. Now turn back to Luke chapter 23. When we left off, Jesus was dead. Jesus was in the tomb. Jesus was, uh, um, his body uh, was behind a huge rock and it was sealed. So let's look at the responses for just a few moments this morning, the responses to the fact that Jesus was dead. Look at verse 47 of chapter 23. Now, when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God saying, certainly this man was innocent. The disciples are all gone. John's there uh, with Mary and, 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 uh, and, and a bunch of the women. We know that because Jesus speaks to John from the cross and says, behold your mother and mother behold your son. He from the cross, gives John the responsibility to take care of Mary. He gives Mary this brand new situation. I've taken care of you by giving you my best friend. He will take care of you. Verse 48, and all the crowds, first of all, we had the century, now the crowds, and all the crowds that had assembled for this spectacle, he doesn't call it this this amazing uh prophecy fulfilled in Jesus Christ. He says, no, this was a spectacle. Crucifixion was uh, public. Crucifixion was a spectacle. Crucifixion was uh, for people to come and to, and to understand that, 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 that the Romans meant business, that you didn't mess with the Romans. You didn't mess with the peace of Rome. You didn't mess with them because the price was heavy. And many times they would leave the bodies on on uh, the cross for them to be rotted away for people to see. Many times in battles, uh, so, uh, soldiers would, would take um, people that had been killed and to set an example of a, a certain city when people walked along, along the road, they would see these crosses lined up and people dead and hanging from the cross. As a reminder, you don't mess with Rome. So in all the crowds that had assembled for this spectacle, and I would imagine the crowds were much larger because this is Jesus of Nazareth. Let's see what will happen. Let's go see what will be done. When they saw what had taken place, they returned home beating their breasts. They returned home, not rejoicing in the fact that Rome had done its part, not, not saying, well, they got theirs. No, they returned to their homes beating their breath. They returned to their homes. What else could they do? It wasn't a work day. They wouldn't run someplace off to have a drink or to sit around and say, hey, let's talk about it like it was a, like it was a ball game. No, they, they left the spectacle beating their breasts, meaning that they were mourning, that they were saddened by what they had witnessed. It doesn't mean that they, they surrendered their lives to God because of this. No, they must have realized that what they had just seen was 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 out of the ordinary, was was not normal, was not your typical resurrection. 
or excuse me, a crucifixion. No one was looking for a resurrection. We understand that from the writings of the Jews, what they believed about the resurrection. They believed there would be a final resurrection. Just one. Men don't rise from the dead. And all his acquaintances, Jesus' acquaintances, and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. Watching these things. They didn't go, hey, like we, we've heard that popular sermon and we've heard that popular phrase, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. No, that's not what was on the minds of these people. They were distraught. They were looking for a Messiah. The Jews were looking for a Messiah to set them free from Rome, to rebuild the temple, and to and to and to um, for for the Messiah to to be this political and military power, this king that would set everything right. And what did he get? They got they got a man who refused to be crowned as a king. It's ironic to me that on the placard above his head in three different languages, it does not say this man said he was the king of the Jews. Pilate says, I've written what I've written. What did he he write? The king of the Jews. The king of the Jews. This, This prophet that Moses had talked about in Deuteronomy, this prophet that you should listen to, this this man who would come and he would sit on the throne of David and and uh, and he would he would rule the world forever and of his kingdom there would be no end uh, was dead and he was buried. Verse fifty. Now there was a man named Joseph from the Jewish town of Arimathea. He was a member of the council, a good and righteous man, who had not consented to their decision and action. And he was looking for the kingdom of God. He was also looking. He was a righteous man. He was a member of the council. And he did not go along with what they wanted to do with Jesus. And his response is uh, led to action, or his, his beliefs led to action. He was also looking for the kingdom of God. He knew that Jesus would not get a proper burial. And so he decided to move, uh, to, to be a man of action. We don't know of him moving in any other situation before the death of Jesus Christ. We know he didn't consent to the counts, at, to what the council said, because Luke probably talked to him before he did his, his, his investigation. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Can you imagine what Pilate's response was? Well, we know in, in, in one account, Pilate was amazed that Jesus was already dead. He called for the centurion. He said, is Jesus dead? Yes. It was getting close to, to, uh, to the Sabbath, so they broke the legs of the other two um, robbers to make sure they were dead because then it would be impossible for them to push up with their feet to get one more breath in their lungs. But Jesus was already dead. So Jesus ordered the body of Je- uh, or Pilate ordered the body of Jesus to be to be given to Joseph. Verse fifty three. Then he took it down, wrapped it in a linen shroud, and laid it in a tomb cut of stone, where no one had ever been laid. This brand new tomb, Joseph's tomb. 
Joseph had this cut out of stone. We don't know how old Joseph was. We don't know if he was preparing for his death. We don't know, but he was. we know that he was looking for the kingdom. We know that he was a righteous man. We know that he did not consent to the death of Jesus with the council members. And we know that he was bold enough to go to Pilate and ask for the body. It was the day of preparation. The Sabbath was beginning. Verse 55, the women. Underline that, the women. In our culture, it's different, even though we do still struggle with inequality at times with women, and women have fought for equality. In Jewish times, a woman's uh, testimony wasn't even allowed in a court of law. In fact, Jewish men would get up in the morning and pray, God, thank you that I'm not a Gentile, and thank you that I'm not a woman. I told you yesterday, the, uh, the rabbi who said it was better for the Torah to be burned than to be taught to a woman. This to me is, 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 is one of the great proofs that the gospel um, writings were not, were not written to support uh, any particular thing other than the truth. Because they included the women. In fact, the women were very crucial in, in this. And if it was truly Jewish men who just wanted to make something up and they wanted the other Jews to believe it, they wouldn't add the testimony of the women. They would have destroyed this as anything reasonable or anything believable. The women, verse 55, who had come with him from Galilee, followed and saw the tomb and how the body was laid. Now listen to this. Because people say, well, there's confusion about the tomb or there's, there's, uh, there, it makes no sense. Because the gospel writers don't agree on everything they said. Have you ever been in a situation where you viewed with other people an accident? Each of you would see things that were involved in the accident. And each of you would see it from different viewpoints because we're different. Each of you chooses different details that you would mention. And that's how we know uh, that this is believable, is that they didn't agree on everything. So, well, one says there was two, and one says there was one at the tomb. What does it matter? The one noticed maybe just the one who spoke. He didn't say there was only one. He just mentions the one. The one that says two mentions different details. If all of the gospel writers agreed on every little thing in the gospels, that would be proof that they got together, manufactured a story to make it believable. And they certainly, as Jewish men, would not mention women. But what were the women doing? They followed. They watched. They planned. They prepared and they acted. Verse 56, then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. And on the Sabbath day, they rested according to the commandment. Jesus is dead. He's in a tomb. No one believes there's going to be a resurrection. No one believes that Jesus will rise from the dead. They didn't run to the tomb thinking, praise God, Jesus said, you destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. No. In Luke chapter 24 on the road to Emmaus, another response is the, the disciples on the road to Emmaus and they said those three little words we had hoped. And who were they saying those words to? To the risen Savior who they did not recognize because they weren't. 
looking for him. Let me pray for us. In Numbers chapter 6, verse 24, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you. Till we talk again.